Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Copon. Yes! Whoa. Madness. This is the all-new Copon. It's, it's, it's something that's taken hours and hours and hours. I've been, I've been up for about, it feels like about 24 hours non-stop, but I did get about three hours sleep. All in the name of saving 500 euros a year that StreamYard wanted to charge me. I really enjoyed my year with StreamYard, but there are cheaper ways if you have the mentality to be cheap like I do. And I'm delighted to be joined by Brian, who's at the top of this uh, Google call that we're streaming live on YouTube. Welcome to everybody listening. Welcome to everybody watching brian from hong kong how the devil are you oh great absolutely brilliant looking forward to the festivities of football that's coming our way shortly oh man it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun hopefully hopefully mick's here as well mick from the cop Hype podcast if you can remember guys to mute your mics when you're not talking that would be great as well just because it will help me with the audio later that'd be terrific mick how's it going are you feeling optimistic about monday is it dominating your thoughts like a i was going to finish that sentence with something really bad but i won't how are you feeling mick don't forget to unmute yourself excellent yeah, yeah, feeling, yeah, feeling good. Uh, wish the game was this weekend and not Monday, but it's one of those. We've got extra time to um, get some players back to a, a better level of maybe fitness or whatever, ready for Monday, because I think it's going to be carnage either way. But yeah, Ooh, we look forward to it. Carnage either way. Um, I, I only stay with you, Mick, on, on, that, on that thought, because um, Brian and I recorded a... Uh, a preview to our pre-season match against Man United when we were all absolutely buzzing to be playing Man United, to be warming up for the new season, having had such a brilliant season last season, and it really was excellent. Then we lost 4-0. Then we ended up battering Man City after Darwin came off the bench in the, in the Community Shield. Then we had, I'm sure it was the worst performance of any Jurgen Klopp team against Fulham. It, we were absolute. I mean, the, the, the subject of, of the Copon show, post-match show, was just shite. That was the name of the show. Um, so, And then we had a good result against Palace, but we got shed loads of injuries. Darwin got a stupid red card, the nincompoop, but he'll learn from it. And how are you feeling now compared to before or after the Man United pre-season game, Mick, or, you know, compared to your pre-season thoughts, how are you now? Are you thinking this could be a, a difficult season for us? I don't think it'll be a difficult season. I just feel like the pre going into pre-season, and obviously as the Community Shield game edged ever closer, I was kind of feeling I'm not ready for this season. I need another week or so. But then obviously we play so well against Man City and that kind of whets your appetite then. You're like, right, here we go, here we go, boys. We can, we're ready to go. And then the Fulham game arrives and you, after 20 minutes, you're like, doesn't look, doesn't look too good here. They're just pressing the hell out of us. Couldn't get out. Um, yeah, it just wasn't it just wasn't a good day at the office, that one. And I think that's all you have to chalk it down to, that one of those first game of the season, get over it, go again. And then we did go again against Palace at Anfield. And I was expecting a big, I was expecting a massive performance, to be honest with you. And it was a lot better, but I think it's hard. It was hard not to be better than the Fulham game because that was real, like you said, Owen, and right, quite rightly, it was very, very poor, that Fulham game. So the Palace game had to be better. But like I've mentioned this a few times, like it's getting, it's getting the first goal, which is what we, and I think missing the likes of like Diogo Jota, he's, I mean, his stats on scoring the first goal. I saw someone post one, I can't remember the specifics of the stats might seem worthless but i remember him being quite quite good at scoring that first goal and we all know how key they are to open up up the game for for us so and i think the last time we kept a clean sheet was against newcastle in april last year and every game since then we've conceded the first goal in the league which is something that needs to be rectified and it's it's something that last year that it, when it was happening last year the tail end of last year against villa southampton um spurs we were like right we've got the mentality to come back and find a way and that's what kept happening we kept finding a way but you're eventually going to get to the point where you stop finding a way or you struggle to find a way i think that's kind of where we're at at the moment it doesn't help obviously Mane's left 
think a load's been made of that, which I, I suppose is quite right because he was such a stable of the team for what six years, and that relationship with Robertson was quite key to what we, what we do um, in attacking and defending. Um, obviously, you said Nunes comes in, uh, does well in but first two games against City and Fulham, gets the stupid red card, so he's like back to not back to square one. He's got a good footing in terms of what we've done so far, but he now needs to wait until the Merseyside derby next next month to the, to come back. So it's all about just dusting off the cobwebs, I think, and just kind of yeah going again. And I think you can look at the Man United game in two ways. You either look at it going right. If we lose that or draw that, it's another catastrophe. And I'd say that in inverted commas in terms of like social media and stuff. It's not going to be a good time to go on Twitter, shall I say that, at least. But if we do win it, I think it's a good, it's a boost, but it's a, I think it's a double boost because it's beating Man United and it's also getting the first three points of the season and kicking the season off the way that we should have done against Fulham. It's a great answer. It's a great answer. It does still feel a bit like, as you say, we're, we're, we're dusting off the cobwebs. It still feels a bit pre-season-y, Brian. But, you know, how are you feeling now compared to where you were, you know, just uh, before before the ball a ball was kicked uh, against Fulham? Um, I'm I'm a little bit apprehensive. I mean, I'm not apprehensive about playing United because I just feel like they're they're, they're such a shit team that um we should have more than enough in the tank to 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 beat them. But for me, I think this season going into the season, there's there's so there's a lot of little fine tuning that needs to happen. Like the the basis of of the team is there, but but if you look at what's actually happening, we're kind of bedding in a new player, bedding in two new players. If uh, if you um, if you uh, count in Lucho, uh, even though he's been one of six months, I think he hasn't really found his shooting boots completely. He he he's he's uh, he's being an important part of of each performance. But you just get a sense that he's got so much more to give the team and to give the performance. So we got that going on. Uh, you're playing with a number nine now. I mean, he won't be playing this weekend, but there's still that. And then you've got these two young players that are coming in. We've lost Mane. Um, there's, there's a few things going on. And now go, Joe is coming back into the team. There's a lot of little, uh, little fine-tuning things that can just take you off your rhythm a little bit. And um, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling positive. I, I just think it, it may be a little bit, I don't think ropey is the right word, but it's going to take us a few games to get find our rhythm. I don't think we've, because as um, Mick said, uh, yeah, a lot of us forget the tail end of last season. Whilst, it, whilst we did pick up a lot of points, um, it was hard, hard work. There were like ugly games. Uh, I, I did That stat he said about, about going behind was, yeah, it, it's felt like that for a long time, you know? Um, I know that, you know, at the last pod we had, I, I, I felt like the last game, whilst it was better, yeah, and you, you could say it's, it had to be better, there was parts of it that was, considering it was the first game of the season, we needed a response from the previous game, and it was, it was, in Anfield, it was at Anfield, and, uh, you know, already we're chasing City. I mean, I know that's bombastic, I have to say that, um, but uh, it just felt so... Like, why do we have to keep going behind for in order for us to wake up and to play with passion and to play with anger? Because that's when we're at our best, right? So I, I think yeah, this game is set up to be a perfect tonic to, to, to what's happened and what's gone on. Because, you know, we've got the first silverware of the season in, 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 the, in the trophy case already. We started off a bit slow, but if we can go there and get three points, any three points off United you know we'll all be delirious you know and each each goal past one nil will will times 10 the delirium you know we'll all feel so i i have to feel that there's nothing that they can do that can that can beat us on the game if it's just a game of football uh, against two sides and there's no nonsense from the referees or var we, we should have hopefully too much for them there um and but I'm, I'm raging that it's another monday night game uh it's just such a weird you know thing i mean for i mean i don't know what it's like for you guys over there but definitely for the fans abroad it's a complete pain in the arse because you have to watch it in like mid-afternoon the next day kind of thing instead of like you can watch it live <laughs> if you're in your 20s <laughs> but it's if you're in a, what time, old culture just, like me you know what time it's is like it? 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Yeah. 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 I used to do that. I used to watch every game live, but now because okay. you can play it on demand, it's just mad. I'll just knock me out for about three days if I get up at 3 a.m. to watch the football. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, but no, I'm, I'm still I'm still very, very positive, but we need to start picking up three points week in, week out if we're going to 
be realistically in any kind of uh, title chase again this uh, this season. It is looking like that, isn't it, Mick? I mean, you know, having drawn the first two, I'm not I'm not in any way saying that anything is uh, you know like suddenly things are impossible. But you know, if against Man City after ten games, for example, you'd be looking at you know league winning form is to 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 win at least seven of the first 10 games meaning we've got to win seven of the next eight in order to you know stay probably on 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 city's coattails because they 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 could easily win all 10 and if for example we we win seven uh draw three see god maths got a bit off more than i could chew then that's 24 points okay and if city win all of their first 10 that's 30 points so it's quite a realistic scenario to be thinking we could be six points behind them after 10 games even if we win seven of the next eight i don't know in that kind of context it's uh it's it's imperative that we we win against united isn't it yeah i think it's i mean even if we would have won the first two games, I think winning against United is always imperative. But just given the fact of where we are, it's extra, extra imperative if that's even a thing when you go to Old Trafford. Like trying to win is like the most paramount thing you can do, or one of the most paramount things you can do in a Premier League season if you're a Liverpool football club. So if we get through that one, and the two following games after that are home games. So like feeding back into the Darwin Nunes thing. We think we've got Bournemouth and Newcastle, is it, at home? So there's two home games and then we've got the derby, so then Nunes is back. So it could be worse games that he's missing, albeit I would have loved to have seen Darwin Nunes up against five foot nine uh, Martinez. That would have just been a proper proper comedy sketch waiting to happen, going up for a header, just leaning on the shoulder like, all right, mate, I'll, I'll have that we're ball. Have to, we're going to have to wait, wait, wait for it uh, until he comes to Anfield for that. But yeah, yeah. it would have been beautiful, wouldn't it? Yeah, it yeah. would have been. But yeah, it's we need we need to win. I think anything but is is gonna just be yeah, like I said before, avoid social media if we don't win. But even if we even if we beat them three 0 people would be saying we should have won six 0 That's just that's just Twitter. That's just the crazy world that it is. Uh, but I think the, the the state that they're in, we just need to have. I, I always say this: a fast start in these games. So okay, we saw it last year at Old Trafford when Cater got the first goal in what five minutes. It just kind of put them on the back foot instantly. We knew, right, we've got them exactly where we want them. Firmino was dragging Maguire and Shaw all over the shop. They didn't know what to do. Jota was pulling up lefts on the left, on the right, in the in the centre. They didn't know where to go and they were just bamboozled. And, and it's going to be interesting to see how Ten Hag sets up. Obviously, they've just been absolutely battered by Brentford and I'll never tire ever of saying that. 4-0. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> four, four, four nil after 33 minutes wasn't yeah it it's just absolutely glorious <laughs> footy uh but it's going to be interesting if he, if he presses the the big red button and just goes let's press this reset button and we'll just play a different way just for this game because i think long term he's got to stick to his guns he can't change his philosophy for a for a someone who wants to play out from the back but from what you see against brentford they just got absolutely mauled so if they, if they want to do that against us do it at your peril because Klopp will be saying, let's just watch clips of this Brentford game. If we do 70% or 60% of that, given the quality we've got, we could easily batter them. But it's it's we need to do that. That can't we can't just keep saying this. We need to that needs to be an actionable thing and pretty instantly in the game. Otherwise, their their fans will start to get a bit of hope, which we don't want. We want the early goal to pile the pressure on them and also to get the crowd against them, which in turn will have us on on the up. So it's like it's one of those vicious circles for them, but I think it's one that we need to try and get in action as, as soon as we can, hopefully. It's a great answer. Um, Brian, there's, I mean, you know, among the many, many, many records that, that this um, Liverpool team have broken uh, under Jurgen Klopp, um, check this out, Brian. Uh, Liverpool are looking to win four consecutive league games against Manchester United for the first time since January 2002. But we are looking to win three straight away games, a three straight games at Old Trafford or away games against Manchester United for the first time in our history. We've never done that before. Oh, wow. It's a great stat, isn't it? So, and I think when you're going for a record, when you have a chance of a record like this, the worst mentality to go into this game 
would be the one where United are going to play like they did against Brentford, as in as badly as they did. Tactically, I think Mick's got a great point, a great question even, like will Ten Hag change it up for this game? Um, but in terms of our mentality going into this game, we've got a chance of, of history. No no team's ever done one three three away in a row at Manchester United, no Liverpool team. So we've got to go into it with just, you know, more than fire in our in our bellies, but like some kind of plasma, like the surface of the sun burning from the inside. Um, what do you reckon, Brian? What do you reckon to that? Anyway? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's another thing that's fascinating about this game is like, I was just saying, Mick, I was saying to Owen before we started, it's like, I, do, I hope they play like they played last game. Please give the ball to... Um, Oh, what was the name of the guy that I said? Uh, Ericsson. They were just throwing the ball out to Ericsson. Yes, yes. And you think, oh, they can't do that again. And then I listened to some uh, old United uh, uh, podcasters saying, yeah, play the same team, punish that team. They're so angry at that team. They want them to be exposed. You know, and I'm like, yes, please let them be exposed against Liverpool. And, and then I thought, it's like a game of chess. But, you know, uh, I play chess. And their pieces are shit. <laughs> so, you know, and you don't get lucky at chess, right? And so uh, I, I just think uh, whatever they choose to do, they're a team so fragile. They're a club so fragile. that Their crowd will be so fragile. They'll be on, they'll be on eggshells, you know? They like one wrong move and one goal. Like we've, we've batted them so many times over recent years that they they're all dreading it you know they're like i mean it could easily be to them i i feel like if they could get a 1-1 or a 0-0 that would be like winning the champions league right now for where they're at that would be like absolute heaven for them but i just think they're just so they're, they're playing so badly <laughs> you know you look at harry Maguire. it's just his 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 uh confidence is shot to pieces i mean he and he's making such bad decisions. I think somebody was also commenting that when um, <laughs> when Brentford were like four 0 up, and they decided they were already at the next game, yeah, they decided they weren't playing anymore. They, they just, then uh, Maguire was playing like Maldini in the, <laughs> in the back because nobody was. They were letting them have the ball, and he was just casually walking around with the ball and stroking <laughs> it around like you know he didn't get the memo that had just been. <laughs> destroyed 4-0 in three, 30 minutes. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, whatever we decide to do, it has to look like pressure from the get-go just because that's, that's what they'll expect. That's, you know, if we give them, if we allow them to play in those first 15 minutes and just have even have the ball for, for more than more than 40%, I would say, possession, that will give them hope, you know? And and, and I think um, if you want to be, if you want to win league titles, we know, uh, like, we're, we're in the toughest league in the world. We're up against the toughest opponents the, the Premiership has ever seen or, you know, football's ever seen. And there's just no room for error, you know? And you just, even when you're, even when you have injuries, even when you get some bad decisions from VAR, even when you're playing, you're playing in, in bad form, you just have to find a way to win. You just have to find a way to get those three points. And I think now the way it's set up now in in many ways it's it's a perfect game for us because th there's no option <laughs> we have to beat them for sure like, anything other than beating these guys will be disastrous and yeah i'm i'm with mick i'm just like <laughs> i think i'll follow the rugby for a couple of weeks you know <laughs> i just stay well away from 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 uh, social media i won't be watching any other football you know so there's a lot going in there but i mean i think things are shaping up nicely for us because we're get. i mean bobby is a massive 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 thing uh, for the fact that he's back uh uh it, i think is just crucial because it just adds so much more shape um to 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 our to our game so i'm, I'm hoping touch wood that there's no injuries between now and then and we can put out the team that most of us think will come out um against that and uh yeah can't wait it's it's yeah i mean I, in what world are they going to fix their mentality overnight like you well, not overnight in a week i don't know like i am expecting them to, to come flying out of the blocks and and to be you know maybe have periods when they're when they're um you know really pushing and 
and and, and looking like a you know a half decent team, but I, they can't sustain it. Their mentality is so so it seems so so fractured. You know, not just amongst the fans, but amongst the players and amongst everybody there. So you've got Ten Hag in the middle of it, trying to like say, well, you know, trying to implement this very very. This style of football that requires a lot of commitment and and energy and and almost positivity, you know, to 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 fly around the pitch and to be, you know, always like on the go. And he's got players who, you know, was it thirteen kilometres less that they they ran against uh, Brentford, and that was what Ten Hag made them jog the next day or run around the pitch, maybe. I don't know. Um, Naby Cater, Mick Naby's back. He's he's he scored as you mentioned before last year, um, last season to get at, at Old Trafford. Beautiful finish it was. Um, there were different rumours that I heard. One of them being that Naby Keita is going to sign a new four-year deal, and another one being that Naby Keita is unhappy with what he's been offered. Um, what's your opinion on on Naby Keita? Um, either over the last four years since he's been with us four or five years or you know what what your hopes are for him this season you know going forward uh opinion is he's not been available enough i think that's just no, number one we've always said a clock midfielder availability is the best ability i think that everyone kind of knows that now if you're available and stuff and obviously that's why Thiago falls into that trap a little bit because he's so good and he's our best midfielder by a long way and most effective he's nowhere near fit enough and I think Naby Keita is one of them that when he's when he is available and when he's in when he's looked in like good form he looks really good because I think he's kind of he's merged himself from the the Leipzig Naby Keita and he's kind of became obviously the Liverpool Naby Keita but he's had to change his style a little bit I think he's had to kind of mould himself into like the best Naby Keita Ginny Wijnaldum merge I think that's what he's tried to do and obviously that's what Klopp's encouraged him to do but he's also still got that ability to drive forward the ball and I think his defensive ability is I don't know if it's underrated but I still think he's pretty solid as a as a, as a blocker and as, as, as to do those Ginny Wijnaldum Blocks and stuff, maybe shielding the ball. Jenny Van Aldem's is not not many midfielders better at that than than he was. Um, so he's not better at that than him. But I think in terms of skill and getting himself out of the tight pockets, playing little one twos, getting the ball forward, most of his passes are forward and trying to look on the the front foot, which is what you want. Um, but I just think it's it's crucial times now for Naby. I think I think this. I mean, like I said, own the the whole transfer rumors about him not being happy and stuff and not getting played but that, that's that's as you can't you can be unhappy about not getting played but you're not he's not available enough to like if he was available all the time and he was always on the bench then he went knocked on Klopp's door and said by the way boss I'm not happy because you're not playing me I'm always on the bench that's fine what's not fine is you're injured all the time and then you can compl- you're complaining about not playing when you're fit so that says to me that like you just you're not demanding a role but you you'd expect to play every time and maybe if he was fit all the time, I think he probably would play most of the time because, like I've just mentioned, the skills and qualities he's got, he's kind of he's merged himself into a good version of what we need um, and what what we can use going forward. But I feel like this season's, I feel like I say this every season, this season's a big one for him because we need to know what what where he is going forward. Is he is he happy to stay? If he is, then sound. But we need to figure out what. What he's going to be like availability wise, and obviously you can't you can't predict that. Is, does that mean when he sign, we we sign someone else? Is it like a, a mini backup to Naby? It's just it, there's a lot of questions. I think there's there's more questions than answers. And I think after is it four years he's been here, you should have more answers than questions. I think, and I think that's the big thing. We shouldn't be still we still sh- shouldn't be having these conversations. In my opinion, you should be like at a point where you're like we can rely on this player. He's good. He doesn't have to play all the time, but when he does, he, he's good and he carries out the the system to the letter. And I think he's getting better at that, but we can't keep having the conversation. And I think that's where most people uh, are grieved because he's not on the pitch enough. And that that's that's all there is to it, really, isn't it? It's a really, really good answer. Um, in a clock system, Brian, I mean, as Mick was saying, it's really, really hard unless you're some kind of, you know, super athlete like Jamie Vinealdum. Um 
can can Nabby be blamed? I mean, is 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 it just is it just bad luck? I mean, you know, some people they you know they they point the finger at certain certain former players. Daniel Sturridge was one of them who was always injured, but brilliant when he played. I think Nabby Kate has been very good when he's played, and sometimes brilliant and sometimes poor, but they, but very occasionally poor. Um, I don't know, Brian. But, well, where do you stand on it? Nabby Keita, talk, uh, talk to me. Yeah, I'm with Mick completely. Look, it's obvious how good the guy is. He's brilliant. He's a brilliant football player. Some of our some of our most um, commanding performances is when Nabby just run the, runs the game, um, and he and he he's good at he's good at doing that against top opposition as well. He's a very smart footballer. He's very difficult to pick up, and he and he influences the game. So when he's when he's fit. And when he's had a run of games, he's great to see on the team sheet or anywhere around the, the, the team because he's a class, class player. But as as Mick said, like it's it, it, the proof is in the pudding. You know, it's like it's four years now. We should not be having these conversations. It's that simple, you know, and, and you, you, that's all you need to say. That's it. It's too much. And um, it's all very good and fine having these amazing players in in um, in in our arsenal. And yet they won't all be injured at the same time. But if you have too many of these players starting to build up, it starts to it starts to put you into a false position of security, right? Because um, oh, apparently no sound. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Don't worry. There was no sound when we when we went on YouTube. Okay. But there will be after. It's okay. That's all right. Worry. It's probably a good thing actually at this moment. <laughs> 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 um, but you know, he's kind of he's kind of falling into well, not quite, but he's like it's like Alex Oxley Chamberlain again, another great player, but he's just never available, you know. And then you look at the rest of our team. Trent, he's there. Game in, game out. The same players are the same players are always available, and you can hang your hat on them. And uh, I'd rather, like, for example, if you said to me, you can have Naby Keita the way he is now in terms of his availability, or you could have Curtis Jones, but Curtis Jones will be available forty percent more of the time than Naby is. I'd say Curtis Jones. Yeah, I'll have him sell on Naby. Yeah, and I know that they're not in the same zip code when it comes to skill level or what they can do, you know, maybe at this present moment in time. But he's just so um yeah, not available. And I it, I think I think he's unlucky because unlike Sturridge, and I you know, I think Sturridge was very unlucky in the fact that he was playing for us when like literally God who was in the Matrix was playing football up front. You know, Louis Suarez, when you play next to him, it's such a shame. He was scoring these amazing goals and then Louis would do something just like he should be wearing a black leather jacket and have black wraparound shades the next <laughs> week and we'd all forget about uh, uh, Sturridge's uh, goal. But I think Sturridge's uh, injury problems where it's been, you know, a little bit mentality as well because pain is very mental, you know? It's like, how do you process pain? I think I, I read an interview where Louis Suarez said he was just always in pain all the time, but he just never showed it, you know, because he was getting lumps kicked out of him week in, week out. But the most important thing for him was to be on the pitch and there was nothing else to it, you know. And so I don't think Naby Naby's suffering from like that. But yeah, we, we, he needs he needs actually a bit of luck this season because. I mean, how many more, how many years does he have on his contract? Also, I don't believe that the rumors about his contract, that just doesn't make any sense at all because he, he can't be upset because he is getting games when he's fit. You know, it's not like Klopp's not playing him. He is playing him. It's just, if he's not on the, on the, in the team sheet, it's because he's coming back from injury or he's injured. <laughs> it's the, and that's normal, right? If you've been injured for a while, more than likely you're going to be on the bench to begin with, right? And then they'll just ease you back into the team. So I don't believe that. Uh, I just think that's the press just uh, filling up uh, inches, right? Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, again, it's one of those seasons. Is this his last year of his contract? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if he wants another one, he needs to get. He needs to string with six games together. I mean, that's another stat. I don't know what the stat is, but like Naby Keita, has he played? When's the last time he played Keita. six games in a Sorry, row? Sorry, I don't. I don't allow Keita on cop on Keita. Keita. I was just. Kate, Kate I was Aiden, just Kate checking Moss. out. I was just uh, checking, and well done, you've passed my test. So yeah, when's the last time he he played six games in a row? Uh, it's been a while, right? So. Uh, yeah, I, well, I don't know. I think he did last season, but uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's a good, it's a it's good a question. question. Um, 
No, it's, it's too too hard to answer off the bat. I can I can barely remember what happened, you know, two days ago. Um, good news, good news is if you look at the last three games, not that it's particularly news, it's the last three games, um, we've scored uh, four goals, five goals and four goals against Manchester United. So that's 13, if my quick maths arithmetic is correct. 13 in three games, Nick. That's absolutely mad. And you talk, we're talking about availability with Navi Keita. Players who have been available for Manchester United for all three of those games include Harry Maguire um, and Luke Shaw. Well, uh, uh, no, they went... They, hang on, let, let's just double-check that. So they went... The 4-0 the last time we played them at Anfield, um, they went to th- three at the back. And I'm trying not to laugh. Victor Lindelof, Harry Maguire and Phil Jones were the three who were um, charged with stopping an attack, which was, you know, had at its base Thiago Alcantara, Jordan Henderson, uh, and at its forefront, Sadio Mane, Mo Salah and... Luis Lucho Diaz. So surprisingly, uh, with Diogo Dallo at, win ba- at one wing back and uh, being supported by Aaron Juan Bissaka on the other side, that back five conceded four goals. That's not very surprising, is it, Nick? And then if you look at the 4 2, uh, so I'm not doing this in order, but because <laughs> it was the 5 0 in the middle. Okay, let's do, look at the 5 0 at Old Traf- Trafford. Um, they had Juan Bissaka, Lindelof, Maguire, and Shaw. Uh, and then the 4-2 win at Old Trafford on the 13th of May uh, last year, um, they had Juan Bissaka, Eric Bailly, Lindelof and Shaw in the back four. And in their first two games, they played a back four of Diego Dallo, Harry Maguire, Martinez and Shaw. I think they're all diabolical, Mick. Like, they would be, they're, they're rubbish. Their defence is rubbish. We've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, they are, and they're really bad. And didn't they make like three subs at half time against Brentford as well? They brought on like um, they brought on Malasia for sure. Um, and I think that's the only that's the only change they made actually to the to the to the back four. Oh no, sorry, they brought on Varane as well for Martinez. So they, they, they made did, two yeah. two changes they made at half time. That says to me, the manager's just like, right, boys, that was absolutely shit. We're just gonna have to change three. Because why not? Because we were getting beat 4-0. Let's just stop the rot. And obviously, the second half was 0-0. If they wanted that little small 45-minute win against or draw against Brentford, they can have that if they want. But yeah, they're just... And it goes back to what like, we've said. like they're, they're so bad. But it, be, it could become like... We don't want to be dragged down to their level. <laughs> we don't want it, like we've said, like the first 15 minutes of me like, are just so key. Because if we get the early goal... Then I think we're fine, and we scored a couple more. But if it's getting to like towards half an hour, and then it's getting to forty, and you're like, "Oh my god, it's still nil nil," and we're still creating chances, I'll be very worried because they'll just every second that goes by, they'll just be absolutely re- so relieved because they'll be like, "Right, we lost another five minutes, boys. Come on, nearly half time. We'll go and get our lemonade. We'll be re- we'll be ready for the second half." I don't know what footy players drink anymore. Is it water and liquid? Like, <laughs> Lucas Aid Sport. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's just like we can't give them the hope, and that's the thing. They'll be clinging because, like we've said, they're, they're so, so bad. It's just going to be interesting to see um, come an hour before the kickoff who they pick and who, if they're going to change it slightly and just go and drop Maguire. Because I've saw rumors that they're going to drop Maguire and go with Martinez and Varane just because Maguire turns like a tractor and he's he's got no chance against the speed of the, of our players so it's going to be interesting to see and i think it the thing is Klopp Klopp's one of Klopp's quotes in the press conference was quite uh, telling i thought because he said we don't know it basically said we don't know what they're going to do because they've been so bad basically we just have to wait to see what they do and then adjust to that and that is something that Klopp obviously likes to do I mentioned before about us going behind in games quite a lot because we like to figure out what the what the team is first, and then we go right. You might score, but we're going to still win. But I think it's one of those games. As soon as we t- see the team sheet, and if Maguire's playing and McTominay's playing, and it's all the same players from the couple of the previous times, we'll just be like, well, we've got we've got their number. We we know that we can. And I think it's one of those things that we've psychologically, you mentioned there, oh, like if we win this one, it's the first time in Liverpool's history, then that's an absolutely amazing start. 
and that's like the psychology's turned on its head because my whole youth and i'm sure you're obviously yours both as well was just ruined by man united and the psycho it was more of a psychological thing i think even when we won the title and we drew 1-1 with them we were we should have battered them that game we should have absolutely tore them to shreds but we just managed to get a 1-1 with the lalana equalizer and it's one of them like we wait we were waiting for that day where we absolutely battered them obviously we did it in the COVID season but then to do it in the, the following season with the fans in there that said to me, like we'd got the first step in the psych- psychological battle with the 40 win with no fans. We then just stomped all over that psychology with the next game when we beat them again, the 5 0. And that was just kind of like, this is where the big boys now. And I think that's where, where we're at. And it's like, we've got the psychological edge. It's just whether we can turn the, the form up to match the, the psychology, if that makes sense. And they, and they come together as a, cauldron of i don't know loveliness i don't know I don't, i'm just rambling now it's like too early it. no, that's, that's absolutely <laughs> beautiful a cauldron of loveliness very nice add the rose petals into the cauldron maybe uh i don't know make some kind of some kind of drink um a healthy one um brian um i don't know starting lineups for us we'll just go through quickly and then and then a prediction so uh, stop me if you think I'm making a mistake. So uh, Allison in goal, Trent at right back, uh, Big Verge, Joe Gomez, Andy Robbo at left back, uh, midfield. Tiago's out. Okay. So uh, Fabinho, Henderson, Cater. Yeah. Or Elliot. That's strongest midfield. No, Cater oh. definitely. If he, if Cater, they're. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, there was like question marks over Hendo because he was thinking he somebody was listing him as light training this week. Um, because, you know, so I think he might be carrying something. Um, it'd be great to see him start. Um, uh, regardless, yeah, I, ju- I just I, ideally I wouldn't want to see the same midfield that we started the last game with, and that's nothing against the players. I just think that combination of players lacks something. Um, um, so yeah, any, anybody other than that three, if, if it has to be that three, then fine, you know, we'll go with it. But the ideal situation would be Nabi Keita, Fabinho, and any, Nabi Keita. Nabi Keita. Sorry. Um, yeah. And uh, for me, the crucial, crucial, the, the player that I'm looking for in this game is Bobby Firmino. I just think he will make such a difference in this particular game because if they see him on the team sheet, they'd be like, oh, shit. Because Bobby's Bobby's game is... Pre- he's the best pressing forward in the world when he's on it. When he's on it. And um, I think that that could be, could be crucial because he, he'll give us so much space um, if he's playing. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, totally. Okay, so I mean, you would start with Bobby and Mo and uh, and Lucha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And what, what, and, what? and, uh, and Mo Mo needs to be in needs to be away from the touchline. <laughs> you okay. know, it's like I'm not I'm not the only person who's picked up on this, right? It's yeah, like he's, he's way mm-hmm. too far out on on uh, isolated out there, and he's like he's playing like a winger, and he's not a winger anymore you know he's an inside forward and he needs to play like an inside forward this game or just get him in more dangerous places uh because it's too my big thing about last the the thing that you know that really annoyed me about the last performance and as i always preface all of these analysis with you know literally what do i know about football it's very little um but you know i just thought we were just too predictable it was too easy to see where it was coming from and when you're like that, you know, any team can set up well against you. There's not a lot, there's not a lot of mixing it up. And you're just using those same players again and again and again and again, expecting different results. Then it's, uh, it's um, you know, it's a recipe for, for disaster. So I hope this time that whilst we, we still play the same way, I hope they just mix it up a little bit, just change things around, get, let them, those, for, those first 10 minutes, I want the intensity to be there, but I also want to put question marks in United straight away going, uh, this is not what we planned for, or this, we, we're not expecting them to do this. Um, because everybody expects Trent to get a lot of the ball. Everybody gets, expects Fabinho to look after the ball. You know, everybody expects Mount, you know, to be out there. So I would like to see if we get if we start with Robbo and let's see Robbo get a lot more of the ball, or you just kind of go, you know, because I we've always crossed the ball over to to the to the left wing 
you know, from the from the from the fullbacks. I, I don't know. I'm just rambling now, but I just like to see a little bit. Just in those first th- 15 minutes, just a few little movements, passages of play, just to put question marks in their head that they can't just predict that how we're going to play for the next uh, 40, 45 minutes. I think it's a really good point, and uh, you know that is vintage Liverpool, isn't it? Where, you know, um, although you know more or less, you know that Mo Salah is going to be probably the most dangerous attacker on the pitch. How he's the most dangerous attacker, and in what way he kills you, is uh, is is unpredictable. You know, it's it's um, it's uh, it's a really good point. Uh, Mick, would you agree with uh, Brian's uh, lineup choices there? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the that's our best midfield. I think obviously Kate has been ill, but if he's fit, he was on the bench against Palace, didn't come on, and Klopp got asked the question and said he's been looking good in training. And I saw a few clips and he did look good to be fair. But I think he definitely comes in just because he plays that left of a midfield. I don't want to see Jordan Henderson there, to be honest. If we're going to play Hendo, it's either in the you either basically all you do is if you want to if you want to drop Fab because he's not been in the best shape. Then you put you, you go with the maybe the midfield that we um that we battered them with last year, which was Cater, Henderson, and Milner. Um and then yeah, you have Hendo in the six, you have Cater on the right, where he picked up, and that's where he, that's where the goal comes from, the first goal where he makes that overlap and run past the forwards and gets on the end of it and scores. And we know Milner at the left centre midfield is yeah, he can do a really good job and has been one of our better players in the first two games coming off the bench. And um, obviously, starting the Palace game and coming off the bench in the Fulham game done really well. But yeah, I think with with Salad, I think I think he benefits from having uh, Henderson on the on the right of the midfield three because we all know how good Harvey Elliott is. But his natural inclination is to go inside because of the left foot. He wants to cut in and 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 cause murder in there if he can. But when you've got Trent and you've got Henderson both bombing up. They stay quite close to the flank. That that gives the license for Salah to then go inside a bit, I think. And he can pick up those, even if it's just right central, like just a position where he's more in. They can play it through, pass short, then he can turn and start causing damage on the edge of the box. And that's where you want him, as close as the box to the box as you can. Because I agree with you, Brian, the Palace game in particular, Salah, Nunes and Diaz were... Like you could do it miles apart. Like Diaz is right on the left, Salah's right on the right, Nunes is basically in the middle, just feeding off scraps, and you've got Joachim Anderson just absolutely kicking shit out of him in the middle because he's on his own and he's it's difficult for him. So we, we can play like I don't think I'm gonna any of us will predict what Klopp's gonna do because I think we've we've said out like we're missing quite a few midfielders and stuff and Ox and Jones and Thiago, but there's still options there. I think it's either Milner or Cater on the left. You can go Hendo as a six, you can go Hendo as a right, you can go Elliot on the right and Hendo as the six and Milner or Cater. Like there's there's quite a few different options there. And I think I think it's harsh on Elliot because he's been so good, but I think I would go Hendo, Fabinho, Cater. Just because it's it's our best midfield. It's most it's our most structured and it's I think it's something that Klopp likes to do in these bigger games, away from home especially. He likes to pick the tried and tested try and get a few goals and then we can bring Elliot on or whoever else on Milner to kind of solidify it towards the end, hopefully, when we're 4 up. After 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, wonderful, wonderful answer. Um, yeah, because, I mean, if, if, if you're going to bring Elliot in, it would have to be in the eighth position ahead of Henderson because other, because he's not used to playing on the left side of a midfield three. Elliot and Henderson is not very good on the left side of a midfield three. So we've tried that before. Um, so you would think, but I would I would go with Elliot because I think um, he deserves it. I just think he's he's played better than Henderson. So start him. Um, you know, simple as that. And but you're right, Mick, about about the the positional play. I think that's something that Elliot will learn with 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 games is how to make the most of of making space for other people but I thought he was excellent you know he's been excellent in in, in both of his appearances so far um brilliant at keeping the ball and 90 percent passing accuracy in midfield is 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 superb it's Tiago levels and uh you know he did that against uh, palace um and yeah and looked dangerous and and the link up the clever little play you know I remember the one pass when when Harvey Elliott was was out on the touchline um, and two Palace defenders were coming towards him and he just played this little 
ball along the ground and it was only like five meters i don't know if you remember this maybe with three meter pass but it was just so perfectly weighted onto trent's run if he'd hit it too hard it would have been led to a really dangerous counter-attack and if he'd played it too softly there were two palace defenders right in front of him and they would have easily gobbled it up but it, there was only like one particular place where he could have played this pass and it looked simple but it was actually i think pretty genius um yeah but so i'd go with i'd go with elliot henderson sorry elliot fabinho in the six and uh maybe milner i would same midfielder i know brian's brian's doing a face for those for those uh podcast listeners he's putting it putting a face like he's he's not sure like you're kind of you know if someone's just offered him a you know a pint of whiskey and a straw uh it gave that kind of face I'm like, oh i'm not sure about that but i thought we were really good in the first half against palace uh anyway um despite being one nil down we had 17 shots anyway i want to thank you very much both of you for for uh for being with us on, on cop on and i hope that every listener has enjoyed it unfortunately the youtube didn't work there was no sound so i'll get on to that uh, but uh, Brian, thank you very much. Just a very quick prediction from you for for what's going on. I mean, we're talking twelve, thirteen for Liverpool. Arielle hat trick in the first half, <laughs> followed by a Lucho hat trick in the second half, followed by oh. a Mo hat trick in the dying minutes. Um, very nice. No, I think I think um, uh, Tech Hag is saying that uh, he's he's going to stick to his philosophy and. Uh, all that so uh, if they does then great i think it could be 5-1 5-2 could be a big scoring game but i but i'll be happy with one nil and a dirty one nil mm -hmm. as long as we i don't want to it has to be three points so any results good for me but i'm thinking maybe it could be a could be a could be a big one maybe maybe <laughs> lovely stuff <laughs> uh, mick uh, what about your prediction yeah i i'd, I'd take I'd take a one nil. I'm not sure if I'm ready for what a one nil game is because if you score early, there's a load of time there where you're like, we need a second goal and it's not it's not come. But then I'd be happy with it because it's a win. But like I said, the psychological thing is a one nil win good enough. I mean a win's good enough, but like it's that you're trying to think like we need to batter these. Ideally, we need to batter these. Hopefully three nil would do me. I mean two nil, one nil. But like I, I think it's three nil is a good scoreline, I think. For them, what they've scored one goal in the first two games, they got battered by Brentford four 0 There's not been enough time between the Brentford game and this game to do anything apart from, like you said, they got they got them in to do some laps of the field, like a like a proper old school PE teacher, just like do ten laps of the field, lads, you'll be all right come Monday. Uh, it's <laughs> like we need to batter them, we need to batter them, and it's just like whether we do or not, I don't know. I'm not I'm not hundred percent confident just because of what's what happened before? I thought we were good against Palace, but we need to turn it up several notches in a in a game like we're going to be in. It's like one of those form book goes out the window. It's they're going to want to battle for everything, but so are we, and we've got well more quality and we're well more structured. So in theory, it should be easy, but these things never are. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going three 0 three nil. Okay, no, yeah, great, great answer. And uh, so very quickly, um, Mick, it's been absolutely wonderful to have you, have you with us. It's uh, Mick Moran from the Copite Podcast. What's going on in the Copite Podcast these days, Mick? Uh, so I've had a few um, videos lately. Done a, so we do a show called Famous Fans, which is basically quite hard sometimes because you're trying to find you're trying to find a famous Liverpool fan. Then you've got to try and get in touch with them. So sometimes that's that can get a bit murky when you're like wading through like email and agents and they're like, nah, it doesn't do that. This type of stuff, mate, leave us alone. Um, so that's that's quite fun. Uh, but we've done <laughs> just done our fifth one with Simon Rimmer, the um, the chef TV uh, presented on Sunday brunch, which is yeah, he was really good. Like only done forty minutes, but it's one of them. Like I could have just kept chatting to him because he's got. Just so many stories and obviously talking about Hillsborough because he was there and the sad stuff like that. But then just talking about like on that show to do like a thing called King of the Tin where they talk about like your favourite biscuit and your and your and your worst favourite biscuit. And I was just like, let's just do, do that, but do footy players. So best player and worst player. So that was quite interesting. Okay. Oh, that's a very good idea. I was going to say I could talk about biscuits for hours, probably more than I could talk about footy. But no, yeah, great, great idea. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, I was I was going to do that, but I thought I've got like. 
I checked on Zoom and I had like 12 minutes left and I was like, fuck it, I haven't got nowhere near enough time to get into the, wading into the waters <laughs> of bourbons and custard creams and stuff. And I thought, fuck it, I'll just talk about players. But yeah, we've done... <laughs> We've done um we've done the first one with Harvey from So Solid Crew. The second one was DJ Spoonie. Third one was Paul Smith, uh, Liverpool boxer. And then we did Alex Horn from Taskmaster, which was like absolute dream come true for me. I was like, I had to have a few cans before I did that one because I was like, <laughs> I am shitting myself. But it went really well, and he's just such a nice guy, and he comes across like quite nervous as like a because I think like his character on Taskmaster is a bit like. It's obviously a little bit of a character, obviously, because Greg calls him like Alex on, but Alex on's in fact like six foot two or six foot three. It's just that Greg's like eight foot ten. That it's <laughs> obviously that kind of works, but that was really good. And then the Sam Rim one, which was really good recently. So I'm just kind of working on those re- really, and then obviously trying to get more footy players on because we've had quite a few footy players and Marcus Babble and who have we had Sean Dundee, Jay Spearin, Sander Westerveld. Momo Sissoko, yeah, just players that like, like Momo Sissoko is just like the funniest guy because he's just like, like getting him on the show was just a nightmare. It really was because you're texting him on WhatsApp and he'll just never reply via like text. He'll send you like a voice note, but he'll always start the voice note by going, hello, my friend, how are you? And then he just won't answer the question and you're like, (laughs) fuck's sake, Momo, I'm just trying to get you on a show. He starts talking about bourbons and... Yeah, just, like, just and then and then I was waiting for him and he was like sent me a voice clip going right I can do today in 10 minutes I was like what why uh, I had to just scramble together got my laptop on camera on mic ready to call Jay like it's, it's on five minutes come on let's go and then it was just yeah it's just funny he's just, he's a funny guy but yeah that's that type of stuff we've done on on the copy podcast I'm just trying to do more of that really because it's just really enjoyable yeah great it's super stuff everyone should go check it out wonderful stuff thank you very much mick no it is uh, our pleasure and uh, thanks to brian um yeah we've got um you know more time to wait uh, until kickoff but until then you know if you get a bit nervous uh you know if you're thinking that united are gonna fly out of the traps um just watch highlights of their games like just find you know don't worry about it we'll be fine 